0: Hey, welcome on in to Lunch with Claves and Joe here on Klaibsonline.com. It's November 1st, and we are powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Find him online at thehomelonexpert.com. I'm Joe Roderick. He's Mike Claiborne. Claves, how you doing? I'm doing well. i
1: uh, getting off on the right foot the first of the month, and a lot of good things are going to be taking place this
0: month. Absolutely. we got plenty to talk about with you over the next 45 minutes or so, Um, and we still have baseball to talk about. As last night, you saw the Astros force a Game 6 in the World Series. I thought it was done and over with. I, uh, I, I told my kid that, I'm like, you know what, go to bed, I'll wake you up when the Braves win so you can see them celebrate on the field and you can watch all of that. And I had to leave him a note this morning telling him that the Astros came back to uh, to win the game because I was gone by the time he woke up.
1: Yeah, you know, when they got off to that 4-0 lead, I think a lot of people like yourself thought, yeah, this is over because we just don't see that many comebacks. But I think it just kind of shows you how thin pitching is at this stage of the season. Uh, Atlanta ran a guy out there who hadn't pitched since June. And, you know, Dusty Baker, he pitched everybody with Larry Durker. I mean, it's, it's been quite an interesting setup in what they're doing. And, you know, if you don't have enough pitching, things like what we saw last night can happen to you. So here we go. Max Freed's going to be on full rest. Dusty's going to roll out a guy who's been up and down. Uh, and we just don't know. I mean, it, it's been a fun series. And as I said to someone earlier today, I'm not going to be mad at who the winner is uh, because I enjoy both teams, know people on both teams. Uh, it's been fun so far.
0: I just, I don't get and you because you saw it. I mean, you saw it happen with the Dodgers. You're seeing it happen now with the Braves and the Astros. You're seeing these bullpen starts in in the World Series between the two teams that are supposed to be representing the best in baseball. And it just baffles me that year after year with a premium put on pitching that this is what we're left with at the end of the year. It's that, That's a
1: great point you make.
0: I mean, yes. there's there's nobody in the minors. I mean, there's, you look at the way the Cardinals are set up and I mean, I guess if they would have been going through something like this, maybe you're throwing Jay Happ on the mound for a World Series game if they're still there and maybe you go, God, that's, that's what they're throwing out there, but. I, I still, you know, I guess in an alternate world when the Cardinals are in the World Series, Mike Schilt's still the manager. I don't see Mike Schilt going out there in the second inning and pulling half out, out of a World Series game in 2021. Well,
1: I, I, there's a lot of reasons why I think your point is, is a valid one. I, I think, first of all, you have to remember, none of these guys pitched this long last year, okay? Uh, a lot of innings mentally and physically on their arms. You also have the mindset that every at-bat and every pitch counts where you don't want to get behind and be second-guessed for leaving a guy in too long. Throw in the fact that we have now decided that bullpens are more important than starters, where we use them so often uh, when, when there's a hint of trouble. And, and I think the reason why we do that is because starters don't know how to pitch out of trouble anymore. And when you have that situation in the manner that we have, You have this helter-skelter, let's throw it on the wall, stick, and see what sticks mentality of pitching. And and, and you're right. The the best team is not featuring its best pitchers. You remember there was a time where you'd have three guys that were going to pitch in your World Series, three starters, and the bullpen was going to take it from there. You know Now managers are like, I don't know, because they don't know who's ready and who can pitch because they've used – the guys are coming out of the bullpen. It's a real – Interesting, challenging, and I think dangerous crossroads that baseball in this pitching philosophy is headed. And I'm not sure if it's going to be beneficial uh, for pitchers for sure because now you're going to have so many bullpen guys, they're never going to get paid because by the time they get paid, their arms will be shot. Uh, It it de-emphasizes the value of starting pitching, and therefore you may not see as many $40 million pitchers as we thought we were going to see. And I just think it just doesn't—it stunts the growth of pitchers who don't know how to pitch out of trouble beyond the fifth
0: inning. It goes back to the you know the saying that you hear in the postseason a lot that a team's built for October, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have teams that are going to be four or five deep in a rotation that, and those guys give you quality start after quality start in the regular season. But it's getting to the point where now you're going to have to figure out is a manager good by, first of all, how he can handle those pitchers during the regular season and make sure, because you saw Jace Tingler in San Diego. He he wore out that bullpen in a hurry this year, and they were running on fumes at the end of the year and didn't make the playoffs, and he gets fired. Where you're going to see teams now that are going to be running out there, that, that bullpen for six, seven innings in a playoff game and having to maneuver around it, to where the team that you just saw for 162 games, you're not getting for the final 20 of a regular of a, of a postseason. Um, well, you know, it's almost like when September call-ups used to take place and, you know,
1: you'd add eight or nine guys to your bench and you'd say, well, wait a minute, where'd these guys come from? This isn't the same team that's been battling all the way up until September 1st. Uh, yeah, I, I really think there's some issues at hand here. That we're going to have to step back and take a look at, and just ask yourself the question: Is it really the best thing for the game? And I don't yeah, think it I, is.
0: There's just no way. I I don't think it's fair to GMs and managers now to determine if they're good or not. If you are doing, if you're running a completely different team out there in the postseason, I mean, you. It really does seem like once you get to the postseason, it's all luck. Yeah, it, no, it you're is. right. And I think I don't know if you saw the Twitter exchange that Adam Wainwright had with a uh, with somebody over the weekend about just how hard it is to to win. And the person pointed out that Wainwright's watching from home, whatever. And Wainwright just posted a picture of all the Cardinals world titles and talked about just how you know he was a part of three World Series teams and just how hard it is to get there. It, it seems like right now it's more luck of the draw when, when you get there. Because if you're not just sweeping a series and you have a dominant offense that's just running through somebody, it's it really is just kind of a coin flip on how how that bullpen's going to go that night.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, and again, they use bullpens so much. Um, you have to, and then you you know you don't really have a reserve because remember, your minor league season's over. And just like we talked about, the young man who pitched last night, who started for uh, Atlanta, sitting in a hotel room watching the game when Charlie Morton got hurt, I mean, it, it just—it's something that's not right about this. And I don't know how you fix it, uh, but it's something that's not right where your best players or your best pitchers aren't really having the opportunities to be considered the best or dominant in the most pivotal series of their careers.
0: You have, uh, not, so yeah, as you mentioned earlier, you have Max Freed on full rest going against Luis Garcia, who has not had a, uh, a great post He's going on
1: three days rest.
0: Yeah. He, uh, and, and then I, I guess, I, I mean, it's going to be, you know, kind of get through the first few outs and then all hands on deck again, I, I guess for, for the next two days, you're, you're just trying to both, both managers are trying to figure out how to get to 27 outs. I agree. Um, it's been
1: disjointed. Let's just put it that way. It's not what I think we we thought we were going to see. I commend the managers for working with what they have, and uh, you know maybe we'll get this thing
0: decided by Tuesday. I mean Wednesday night. So somebody is. I uh, mean, you just know without a doubt, some writer is going to put an article or a column out there about momentum and now how the Astros have all of the momentum because they won on Sunday night. In the next game is 48 hours later in a different city on, on Tuesday night. What are your thoughts on momentum in the postseason? Well, I think there's something to it. Uh, when you can take the series back to your ballpark, uh, and
1: I thought we saw it in 2011 with the Cardinals in Texas. I've seen it before. Uh, there is some momentum. But the thing is, you got to capitalize off of it. And I go back to when the Cardinals uh, beat Houston and brought the deciding game back to St. Louis. Or it was a similar situation. I think it was a game six. The Brad Lidge uh, game. Yeah, right. exactly. game. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. The Brad Lidge game. Exactly. And Houston came back here and still won. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you still have to play. It it, it would be, behoove you to score first and often. But uh, a lot of things still have to take place. And I think Atlanta last night saw it firsthand. You know, especially when you have a four-run lead. And you're like, all right, here we go. Let's get the champagne going and everything. And it was this festive mood that we saw but you have to remember, there's a group of guys in the other dugout. They they don't want to stop playing, so um, it, it's going to be fun. But I do think there is a sense of momentum shift with Houston.
0: So that's uh, that's where we stand now. Next game is Tuesday. Bob Ramsey, Keith Costas will do the Keith Costas podcast tomorrow morning to talk about it. Keith's been to all five games so far. He'll give you his uh, his first. Uh, firsthand knowledge of what he has seen play out over the uh, over the first five of this World Series and what he expects to happen in the next one or two left of that. And that'll be coming to you live on all of the Klabe's online social media platforms and all of the podcast websites as well. No news from the Cardinals since last Monday when they introduced Ali Marmol as their next manager. So still one spot remains on that uh, coaching staff. We, uh, I assume they'll. Wait I think till the there end. may be two. Okay. Is this uh, is breaking we... news or is this? uh
1: I just think there may be two. Okay. Uh, so I,
0: I just say stay tuned. All right, there. Uh, there's a little teaser for you on uh, on that. You, you've you've caught me off guard. Now you see. Now you have my mind going over which uh, who it's going to be, <laughs> and I'm not going to find out for another half an hour or so until we're done with this. So. <laughs> we do know that the Padres have their new manager. Bob Melvin has taken the job from Oakland uh, down to San Diego. The A's asked for nothing in return. Bob Melvin well, was under contract. For another year. For another year. They asked well, for nothing. They said, okay, yeah, take take him. Well, have I think the same thing with Tony when he left.
1: You know, I, if the Cardinals were going to look outside the organization, that was one of the guys I had in my envelope, by the way, Bob Melvin. I, I thought Bob Melvin would have been a great fit had they looked outside the organization. He had experience. He knew how to manage a bullpen. He's he shown that he could d- develop talent. Uh, former player with great experience. Uh, he would have fit the Cardinal Bill well had they looked outside the organization. And I guarantee you this, San Diego will now be a legitimate contender in their division, if not a postseason spot.
0: The um, so with that move being made and with the A's just letting Bob Melvin walk, it has led to some speculation that the A's are going to be having another fire sale. The 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 future of that franchise is really up in the air, right? They don't Mm -hmm. know where they're playing. They don't know how long they're going to be playing there. They don't know who's leading them right now, though. I'm going to guess Ron Washington is probably a leading contender for that A's job. Wash has got to be
1: in the clubhouse with the lead. Uh, he, he coached there before. Uh, he's coached a lot of guys up, and wherever he's been, he's made those players better. Uh, you know, maybe Mike Schilt's involved in that. I don't know. I, I, I think Schiltie, uh obviously has options where he doesn't have to work next season, but it's one of those situations where, man, do you want to walk into a situation where you're going to have less autonomy uh, you don't know who's going to stay. You don't even know where you're going to be playing, as you just mentioned. So I think the Oakland job has a lot of clouds over it that makes people kind of say, ah, I'm not sure. Then again, you don't want to take over a team that's going to be destined to lose 100 games and management doesn't want to step forward and do anything. So I, I just don't know if there are going to be that many other jobs available this year. And maybe that's a good thing if you're Mike Schilt. Sit it so out it- and just wait.
0: If there's a fire sale, have you gone and looked at that A's roster yet at uh, yeah, who good the Cardinals players. could possibly pick, uh, pick off?
1: Well, you know, that's a good question. I think I'd look at their pitching more than anything else because last check we got a pretty good third baseman over here and a pretty good first baseman, and those are their two cornerstone players. Uh, when you look at their roster, they've always found a way to develop some reasonable pitching. And so I was certainly looking that area with regard to bolstering the Cardinals' rotation and certainly their bullpen. Um, other than that, I'd have to probably step back a little bit more and take a longer look and see if there's somebody else to, that jumps out at me.
0: You see, you say that you talk about the cornerstones on this uh, on this on the field right now, but the one name that jumps out at me is Matt Olson, who is a Gold Glove finalist over there at first base, and as Paul Goldschmidt is in the National League. But he's a left-handed bat. Paul Goldschmidt is getting up there in in age for a baseball player. What would be the the worst thing about adding a DH, having a left-handed guy there, a, a bat in the order, that you can you know spell both of them and give them each eighty-one games at first base? It's a good question. Um, you know, both those
1: guys won't play in the field every day, though. And that's something that I think you have to really be careful in how you juggle that. Uh, I don't think any, either one wants to volunteer to be a DH. I think they enjoy playing. Um, so that, that might be a little bit more of a, a harder deal to work. And I'm not sure what Olsen's contractual situation is because the first thing somebody's going to say to him is, hey, you can come here and play every day at first base. So that would be something that I'd be a little leery about. Um, and I think it would have to have a lot to do
0: with his contractual situation more than anything else at this point. We will uh we'll find out more when the uh, when the World Series ends, as long as I mean it's twelve fifteen right now and the Cardinals haven't called any kind of press conference for today. So with the next two days having games, it uh it seems you like won't we'll, hear, we'll be waiting. You won't here.
1: hear from anything from the
0: Cardinals until perhaps the end of the week. Yeah. So we'll uh we'll find out if they uh, they have already filled that bench position, or as Claves uh, just teased, possible two openings on that uh, on that coaching staff. That's it for the baseball news for us today. As I mentioned, uh, Keith Costas and Bob Ramsey will have their show tomorrow. The Keith Costas podcast, last one of the postseason before we get into hot stove talk. Bob Ramsey and I later on this uh, afternoon, early evening, we'll have our daily card show for you right here on Claves online as well. We take a break when we come back talking a little football right here on Lunch with Claves and Joe powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura and sponsored by this guy, Ryan Kelly. You know, the only thing faster than this supersonic golf cart are the closing times at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mortgage rates on the twos and we have a 21 day closing guarantee. Apply online today at thehomeloanexpert.com. Welcome back into lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline dot com. Klaves, uh, football. I, I got to start NFL because uh, we can we can bore people with Missouri talk and and you know the gloom and doom that's going to be their next game against Georgia. We'll get to that in a bit. we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. But the NFL this past weekend. Not only have uh, has it been more confusing over who the best team or teams in the NFL are after uh, after this week, but now there's been some injuries, and that is shaking up stuff even more. I think the one that's going to affect a team more than any and, a, and one that's going to affect fantasy owners more than any is the Derrick Henry news, as it looks like he has broken a bone in his foot and the NFL's best running back for the last several years, and this year too, it looks like he might be out for the uh, for the rest of the year, which now has started to uh, to churn some of those trade rumors as to who could possibly be filling his role down there in Nashville. It's a devastating loss, a devastating loss for, for Tennessee and
1: certainly the game um, because it's a foot injury, and this is a guy who's carrying a lot on those two feet. So I don't see him coming back this year. Um, I've heard Adrian Peterson's getting worked out today. Yep. I've heard about some other guys that that are not what I would call, you know, earth-shattering backs. And I always remind people that you're at home at this time of the year because most people didn't think you can make a contribution to the current roster. So I I don't know what they do. Uh, It's a tough call. If there's one advantage, is their offensive line's pretty good, all right? Uh, so they'll give a Peterson a chance, uh, but they've got to have a running game because as good as their passing game can be, uh, it's just too easy to double on those receivers, and all of a sudden uh, you got some real problems as far as moving the football. So that injury is devastating. Uh, Jameis Winston is down. Uh, we've seen a few other guys that have found themselves hurt, uh, and that's what the league brings. And you know, you win the Super Bowl because you are not the, the best team. Maybe the most fit team at that time of the year, because the way the cap works and the way there's, in my opinion, limited talent, you know, that first wave of players can make or break your season. And if you don't have ample substitutes who can buy you some time, uh, it just all of a sudden becomes a situation of where you're going to pick next year in the draft.
0: The uh, so you mentioned Adrian Peterson. He is, uh, it's already been reported by a few different outlets that he's going to be working out for the Titans this week. When he didn't play last year, oh, uh, right? I don't, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, was he with Detroit for a cup of coffee for a little while? What okay, yeah, last okay, yeah, he had 156 rushes last year yeah. with Detroit, 600 yards with them the year, uh, so he was with them. I, I'm trying to think, it's been. He's jumped around to so many different places. Well, no, he's one of those he's guys, only... you will always picture him in a Vikings jersey, but he's one of those guys towards the end of his career that just uh, kind of jumped around to a few different places. So he was with uh, um, Washington. Yeah. He's with uh,
1: Arizona, Arizona, and the other team you just mentioned. He, he was with
0: New Orleans for a little bit, too. Really? I don't remember that. Oh, I one... remember when Kamara was down four games with New Orleans in 2017.
1: Yeah. I don't know what he's got left, but man, he's you know, he's guys going to the Hall of Fame. His numbers are going to put oh, yeah. him in the Hall of Fame. So, you know what, I probably kick the tires on him. You know, I don't need him to rush for 140 yards a game. I need him to make the defense honest because he's got that sort of ability when he's right, they can take it to the house from anywhere on the field. And he and if he can still make you miss like he used to, then that even makes him even more interesting to look at. Uh, and as I mentioned, with the offensive line that, that Tennessee has, maybe there's some synergy there.
0: Another name that you have on the list, uh, another guy. So Adrian Peterson is older than me by a month. A guy that's older than me by two years that's also out there is Frank Gore, who uh, could, could possibly be a uh, a name. I just want to see Frank Gore play another year after this year, just so he can play maybe on the same team as his son. Because I don't think that's ever happened in NFL history. You've never had a father-son duo in the NFL, right? I can't recall one. Uh, I mean, that's really... I mean, that's hard to do. We might get it in basketball with LeBron and his son here in a couple years. We've had of years. it in baseball. We've had it in hockey. Uh, and that's near impossible to do in yeah. the NFL unless you—unless your dad's a punter. I mean, that's...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'd like, you know, Frank Gore, you know, first of all, Frank Gore, if you go back to his history, you know, both he had ACL on both knees. All right. This guy was a medical risk when coming out of college and he has put together an incredible career. Uh, and, and, you know, guys like that, you don't really worry about their shape being in shape and conditioning. They always take good care of themselves. So if he's in the right offense, where you can get a look at the formation and get a look at the defense, he might be able to still help you. you know. Again, he's not got it because he's going to give you 140. But if he can give you 85 to 90, that's going to keep the defense reasonable, be honest, and if he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So we'll see. This will be an interesting week of workouts. I bet there, there are a lot of teams bringing in people right now to work them out, to put them on file in the event that they have someone go down.
0: Yeah, Todd Gurley is another name that's out there too. That uh, that would make sense. He yeah, but his he, knee is shot. Yeah, isn't I was gonna it? say he, but you yeah, know, I don't know if he pass this season. See, I
1: think the the question with Gurley is, could he pass a physical? Right. You know, the other guys, it's just a matter of if their skill level is still up. Yeah. So I so, just say
0: stay tuned. We'll we'll have some new faces in play by Wednesday. The, uh, the Jameis Winston injury, that's, uh, he, he was playing good football. And the Saints still ended up winning that game yesterday. As y- you look at options that are out there, and immediately it came out that they weren't going to bring Cam Newton in. Cam Newton has cost himself so many job opportunities, all because he won't get vaccinated. Well, you know, that's, that's the, the life we live now.
1: Uh, now. That's my understanding that he did get vaccinated. I haven't seen that yet. I thought he did get vaccinated. Uh, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I thought he did. But, you know, when you look at the the talent pool of quarterbacks, you say there's not much out there. And then you look at two guys who we never heard of come in and win games yesterday or be on winning teams of games yesterday. And the guy with the Jets and certainly the guy with the Cowboys, Cooper Rush. So I don't know. Maybe it's the fact if a guy can grasp a system, and don't lose a game. Uh I, I think it also says a lot about how guys can adjust. Hey, you know what? Shorten the playbook. Give him a dozen plays to use that he's comfortable with. Make sure he can make the throws and then just take your chances.
0: Yeah, so uh our we are uh, games this week. That Saints uh, Buccaneers game was one of the five games that we had on the on our Pick'em this uh, this week. We also went with the Thursday night game, which I, I figured was going to be the best game of the week between the Packers and the Cardinals, and it lived up to all the hype. We went with the Michigan Michigan State game as the only college game on our schedule this week. We also went with the Sunday night game, Cowboys and Vikings, and then just because I I, I wanted to be kind of a you know a dick and thought it would be funny, I went with the uh, Lions and the the eagles game on there <laughs> on there too to make us have to pick between those and uh Claves we had a terrible week. We all we all had a terrible week. Uh Howard Richards is the only one of the seven of us that had a winning record at going 3 and 2. So wow.
1: <laughs> well, you know what?
0: I think I'm going to turn it up a notch now.
1: i have let you guys have some fun. Uh, I think I'm gonna turn it up a notch on these games, so it's about to be on.
0: Is, is it? Because yeah. I, I, you know, I I pick. So I, I go about these games. I try to pick, you know, ones with the smallest spreads. Whatever I think the best games of the week are going to be. So the fact that we're all hovering around 500, I guess, is good that I'm I'm basically going with pick'em games for the most part. But you figure, I mean. Six of you guys are under 500. It's all right.
1: You know what? Um, It just shows you the balance in the division.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You have – so Chiefs-Giants is your Monday night game tonight. The Chiefs right now – I'd have to look at the actual standings after the games this week. But, yeah, right now the Chiefs are not in a playoff spot. They are not a top seven team in the, in the AFC right now. They are actually with a win tonight. They would be tied for that eight spot in the, in the AFC with the Patriots, the Browns and the Broncos. Hmm. So the chiefs, this is must win for, for them right now to, to still stay in that race. Can you definitively pick right now who the best team is in each conference?
1: boy you know what that's a good question only because when you start talking about good teams you have to think about their schedule and their health you know you could easily say dallas is one i still think that baltimore is very good uh and there's some teams we probably should give more credence to the rams are, are a solid team um You know, Buffalo's still there. I mean, you know, they're all bunched up, and they've all had that one hiccup somewhere along the way. Tampa Bay is in that category. They've all had that one hiccup. I think, man, really what it comes down to, to me, is who's healthiest. You know, especially in your line on both sides of the ball. Um, So I I think that that's really where it's at. Uh, So if you look at those teams I just mentioned, Who's healthiest of any of those teams? And that's your best team right now, today, on November 1st. uh, Obviously, it's going to change.
0: I mean, right now, when you look at this, the the Bengals are your number one wildcard team right now. Yeah, but the Bengals
1: lost credibility, though, yesterday. They did, but
0: they were the one seed in the AFC going into yesterday's games, and now they've, they've dropped out of hosting a playoff game. I mean, they're all the way down to the fifth seed now, and then the Titans. Where do you
1: put Pittsburgh?
0: not I, I don't as of right now I would not I mean, they are I know they are I know they're the they're the sixth seed right now I would not consider Pittsburgh to be a threat in the postseason I think, I think they are much too inconsistent right now and you're telling me that you have to rely on Big Ben to play nine more games this year
1: well that is a concern I don't think there's any doubt about it I also think though with a young offensive line, as they continue to grow and mature, that could be a difference maker uh, for them because you're going to need a running game. And, and, you know, that, that kid, they got running for them from from Alabama is a really good player. Kind of reminds you of Derrick Henry where he can get you a lot of inside yards. And that's what you're going to need when you get into postseason, a guy that has the ability to make the defense pay to tackle him. Uh, So let's keep an eye on them. Uh, I'm not saying that they're, they're the anointed ones, but I'm going to keep an eye on them, especially what I saw in them yesterday against Cleveland.
0: Yeah, and right Cleveland's now, really
1: good defensively.
0: They are, and, and right now Cleveland's on the outside looking in. Tennessee, the one seed in the AFC, we just talked about it. They lost yeah. Derrick Henry. I, I don't, I don't know how it's, it's going to be. About two or three weeks before you can decide if you need to take them seriously anymore, too. So there, there are a lot of questions in, in both sides, too. I mean, the NFC, you got three, four teams right now with only one loss in well, in the NFC.
1: Let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned Denver is in a postseason run. How much do you think they're in a postseason run after moving Von Miller today?
0: No, they're I, I think they've decided which they direction they're going. Okay. Yeah. That they yeah. that they're not so I, I think you can look at that and I'm gonna say that I'm not concerned about Pittsburgh. Denver has decided they're not concerned with making the postseason. So I think you can bump up mm-hmm. a, a team like Cleveland into that top seven, and then it's just up to Kansas. I mean, you're telling me Kansas City that is there there are eight really good teams right there cuz i don't know i don't know if new england with a rookie quarterback i don't know if i'm looking at them as being a playoff team either i think they got a shot i think today is going
1: to hinge a lot on what they're able to do at the deadline um if they they shore themselves up in a couple of spots they can they could sneak in
0: yeah i'm just I, as i as i look through here yeah i'm it's it is it's as confusing as anything right now with who the best team in the NFL is. We will find out who the college football playoff committee thinks is the best team as uh, later on today they will come out with their first rankings of the 2021 season for the uh, for this year's playoff. It, who do it's you Georgia. like? It's Georgia. Okay, Georgia and who else? That's where I mean Michigan State winning. On Saturday, I think, yeah, but puts they them- beat
1: Michigan. Okay, Michigan's always been a fraud here recently.
0: Uh, you can't, but but so they were you know un- they were both undefeated going into the that's game, true. so that's true. I, you can't call, I don't think you can say that they're so. Here, here when- other, here's
1: two of my other teams Cincinnati and Alabama, uh, which means I have room for Michigan State. And I, I think if you're the, on the voter, voting committee, the NCAA would like to see a Big Ten team in this thing other than Ohio State, who right. still is going to have something to say about this. Uh, is there a West West Coast team that is viable? I don't think so, but they're going to leave the door open for them. Uh, I just don't know if that, that's going to fly. But those four teams that you and I just mentioned are credible to me. They all have interesting resumes.
0: So you're and putting Alabama those- in over an undefeated Oklahoma. That's that's a tough one. I think this
1: is where but I think see, this here's is the where thing. the committee, I can, I, the can committee do that. Can- I can do that for this reason. Alabama's going to have to play Georgia uh in the SEC Conference Championship game and that's going to decide their fate. Uh Oklahoma will be in the Big 12 Championship game and I don't know who they'd face but whoever it is is going to have a problem. So we say that now, and they both can decide their own fate as far as who, gets, who actually gets in. See, being ranked today or tomorrow really doesn't make a big difference other than kind of setting the table. It also gives teams who are outside looking in an opportunity to see what they need to do. Uh, so because Oklahoma and Alabama can decide their fates along with Michigan State, with the conference championship,
0: I, I just I think the committee what they do sometimes is they will set up those rankings to kind of say, hey, you know what, you can play your way in, or hey, mm-hmm. if you beat that team, we'll we'll yeah. flip you with that. So I, I think you could easily see Alabama be put at that sixth or fifth spot and say, you know what, hey, you went out one loss, you'll you'll get in, but for right now, we need to put some of these undefeated teams in there. That's that's a fair assessment.
1: Year. That's a fair. I can I can go along with that. Uh, I, I just think maybe because I'm just so used to seeing Alabama and their their skill level, their players are still better than most. Yeah. Uh, is why I still keep them in it. But you know what? If you want to put them on the outside looking in, here's what I'm going to predict. Every team they play from this point on is going to get get a real thrashing as far as running up the score. I think Alabama wants to send a message that when they face Georgia, we know you have a good defense, but you haven't seen an offense like what we're going to show you.
0: Yeah. I just, I, I, and I hope that we just get continued chaos with teams with one or no losses just to keep pushing that narrative forward that we need a six or eight team playoff in college football because four teams just won't cut it. Here, here, yeah. And I agree. Um, but here's the thing that comes into play
1: if you expand it by two more then aren't you talking about a 17 game season like we have in the NFL you
0: would it be that many
1: yeah think okay so you have 11 or 12 you're going to play your 12 game schedule right yeah then you're going to play uh your conference championship game that's 13 then you're going to play two games to get that's uh 15, 15. so yeah
0: 15 games
1: so so you got no, you got two games. Yeah, because you if have it's three teams, games.
0: yeah, six teams, one and two get a bye.
1: Okay, uh, why do they need a
0: bye? Why don't you let them play? Yeah, then you're eight. going to eight. Then okay, yeah, I, make it eight. You know what? It, the better to get these guys ready for the NFL because they, there was well, a time they were a, well, going. Hold on. There was a we're time not, they were this going. This not
1: the NFL. We, why does college football have to get
0: guys ready to play on Sunday? Let's just the NFL feel like if you're, going about about that, that, they they you're going with that. They already got from, a free system. Back in the day, it was going from 12 games to then they'd have to learn how to play 16 games. You already see college basketball players have a hard enough time going from 35, 40 games to 82. So, see,
1: I don't think that's the mission of college sports, to get players ready. Because if you notice, there's only, what, less than 5% of all the guys who are playing are going to go to the league anyway. So I should be worried about the other 95% uh, of guys who are still, A, trying to get an education, b uh survive health wise i mean because you you run the risk of more career ending injuries the more you play so let the nfl figure that i i I think that we're really taking advantage of this and and the other reason being i know name and likeness is supposed to help supplement the income of some athletes but not everyone uh and for them to put that much strain on them physically and not get paid i'm not buying it not buying you and uh
0: you and howard richard's will do your show later this uh later this week as we get ready for the uh the week 10 game of Mizzou and in uh, georgia um it's the the line here is 38 and a half Claybs. is georgia going to cover yeah um
1: you know and, and let me back up on that i say yes because their defense is really good all right missouri Allegedly has a pretty good offense. So I think Georgia defense will be the reason why they can put a thirty, have a 38 point margin because they're either going to be working off a short field or defensively. They're going to force enough turnovers uh, to really cash in Missouri. You know, I watched Missouri play Vanderbilt and I was, I, I was shocked. I was really shocked that at this stage of the season, defensively they're still this bad uh the offense was average uh i know tyler Beatty is a guy that some people think should be in a, a college football hall of fame has anybody knows what tyler Beatty has done against teams uh that were in the sec now he, he he hung it on vanderbilt who's barely in the sec but when you look at some of the other numbers like a&m he rushed for under 70 yards tennessee rushed for 40 yards uh boston college yeah, there, there's a big time school 72 yards he rushed for and kentucky he rushed for 61 so basically he was getting fat off of teams that had no business missouri had no business playing in the first place so let's see what he does against georgia now that could be a little bit unfair because georgia's got one of the best defenses in the country but you know the offense is in my opinion a little misleading when it comes to statistics kind of like when drew drew Locke was at missouri you remember he threw for 11,000 yards, and he was like this can't-miss phenom, greatest quarterback from Missouri. He didn't, nobody ever talked about what he did, and, and most of those numbers he stacked up were against non-conference teams that were really lesser rants. So let's not get carried away on numbers. Let's look at who they're playing, and then that'll give us a better assessment of how good these players are going to be. You
0: and Howard Richards will do your show later on this week, talking about that and the rest of the SEC, college football, and the NFL right here on clavesonline.com We take our final break here of lunch with Claibes and Joe. When we come back, wrap, uh, wrap things up, talk a little bit about the, uh, the latest from the NFL lawsuits going on with the city of St. Louis and the Rams. Along with that, the Blues start a road trip as well. We'll get into all of that. Right here on Lunch with Claves and Joe Powered by Ameren Illinois Driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura And also sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert Find him online, homeloanexpert.com
1: Every day, Ameren Illinois Works to deliver reliable energy Throughout the state To on-the-go families, in-the-know grandparents And busy students But did you know we also have ways To manage your energy? Paperless billing, outage notifications Pick a due date Auto pay, and so much more so no matter who you are or how you use your energy, there's an option that's right for you. Learn more at com slash options.
0: Back here to wrap things up on lunch with Claves and Joe here on com. I was gonna get into this in the NFL stuff, but I know we were running a little bit long with that. Um, as we as we continue going week by week, story by story with the latest, with the lawsuit right now with the city of St. Louis and the NFL and the Rams, it it definitely seems like the city of St. Louis is going to win in some form and going to win big. It just seems right now it's a matter of what winning means, what the end result is with with a win, how much money it is, or the, the, the hot rumor that's going around now being the fact that maybe they an NFL team comes of this. what are your uh, what are your thoughts on the latest? Well, I'm not as
1: gung-ho about winning as some are because I don't think we know all the facts. or we don't know how it's being presented from a Rams standpoint and what their argument actually is. Uh, obviously, they've lost some motions early, but obviously, if they thought that they could uh, could win or, or, or couldn't win, they would have settled by now, and they still might.
0: Uh, they tried. What I mean, reports have said they've tried to settle, and the city has said no. We're we're good. We don't want to settle. All right. So I guess the question is,
1: what do you want in return? And, and we love to increase the ante to this. You know, now that we're in the billions, uh, I just don't know what's feasible. And I know some say, well, we want a team, and I think you and I've talked about the fact. Okay. You want a team, you need a stadium, need a stadium, you need an owner, need an owner. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that still have to come into place. Um, And obviously whoever that owner is going to be, I don't think he's going to be from St. Louis, but whoever that owner is, he has obviously signed something that says that the Rams or the St. Louis franchise will be here forever. I mean, there's a lot of other wrangling that has to take place before we can get to talking about getting a team in compensation. The other element that goes into this is maybe it's cat, maybe it's money. How is that money allocated to who, when, and how is it paid out? I mean, there's so many things that go into it that
0: I, I think we 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 shouldn't count our chickens before they're hatched. Is what the, I'm saying. I I live over in Illinois, so the city of St. Louis getting money doesn't do a thing for me. I don't, I'm not going to see any of it. Maybe something, maybe it'll be put into stuff that I'll get to enjoy over there in, in St. Louis. But I mean, the way that money has been spent over there, uh, where, where you are Claves, they would just turn the Metro link into a giant trolley with, with $10 billion. I mean, they, they would find a way to, to, to really get rid of that money in a hurry. That, that,
1: you know what? And I'm, I'm laughing with you because I think we all see how this whole thing can be messed up. and but, but here's the other thing that goes into this. We don't know who's making that decision. We don't. And I, I guess until it's been determined who makes the decision and what gives them the right to make the decision and, and how the money is allocated, I, you know, I, I just think, again, there's just too many open-ended questions that we don't have answers for
0: yet. It's you know now we we know that Stan Kroenke is going to have to take the stand again. He's going to have another deposition uh, on camera, I, I guess. Is uh, they're going to film it uh, from what I understand. In light of whatever's come out, because John Gruden has also come forth and said he's going to sue the the NFL for the emails that were leaked of him. It, it seems like they're the NFL. Roger Goodell is it just keeps trying, just figuring out ways to keep burying himself more and more. It seems well. He's made $126 million over the last two years. Do you really think he cares? No, at this point, it, I mean, what? why wouldn't he just step away from everything and just go back into his nice basement that we saw him do the draft from that one year? It seems like that's a nice place to hang out. Just, just go there. You got the money for life. You're good. Here, here's
1: something else you ought to take into account with Gruden, and I kind of see where he's going with this. There was 650,000 emails, okay? And his were the only ones that, A, were published, and his were the only ones where they deemed inappropriate. Who's kidding who here? (laughs) 650,000 and nobody else said anything that was a line crosser? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) It's the National Football League. They have a tradition of stepping on landmines as we're watching firsthand with the Cronky Rams situation with St. Louis.
0: Yeah, it's he. He's got a point. I mean, something has to come out, and the fact that nothing has has happened to Dan Snyder that there that he's being protected in, in all of this just it shows you. You you see who's writing those checks that 126 million dollars. You know who's uh who's paying that to Roger Goodell? It's it's the owners that are that are paying him, and he's doing a doing his job and protecting them yep, through all you're of right. this. Hey, before we get out of here, the Blues start a West Coast road trip uh, this week. What is it? Kings, Ducks, um, Sharks, and Jets, I think, before they are home next uh, late next week. Well, you know what? Well, it's an interesting road trip where, theoretically
1: speaking, the Blues could... How many games do we have? Five? Four. I thought four. Is it four, games? four or five? Okay. Let's say it's four. Well, you said Kings, Ducks, Sharks, and Jets. So that's four yeah. teams. Unless so they I miss real- one, yeah. They realistically can come back with seven points. Because yeah. none of those teams are very good. Now, the Kings gave the Blues a little bit more of a run for their money in the last time they faced them. Sharks are still in a rebuild. The Ducks are in a rebuild. The Jets are a good team. But you know what? The Blues have had pretty good success against Winnipeg over the years. So realistically speaking, they could come home with seven points. But they got to go out and get the first two, that and that's always the toughest one.
0: We just uh, wrapped up the first month of the NHL season. October is in the books. Two teams in the NHL uh, currently do not have a single win to their name. The Coyotes are one, and then the Blackhawks are the other. With everything going on with the Blackhawks right now, <laughs> what does the future look like for for that franchise? Um,
1: a little bleak, you know, I, I, you know, now that they've cleaned house with front office personnel, everybody's job is going to be under review. Um, this is a team that made some decisions where they went in on Seth Jones, who's a good player. Mark Andre Fleury is still a good player. Taves and Kane are there. I mean, they've got some talent, but it's just not working right now. And I think they're not far away from saying we just got to work harder. Um, you know, they gave the Blues a pretty good run for their money on Saturday night. But, you know, it, it's a little things that they're still short on. And how you fix it without this thing spiraling out of control is really a real challenge. Uh, they already had the challenge of not being successful on the ice, but now internally, with all the things involving Kyle Beach, uh, has really made the Blackhawks uh, a team that you really have to wonder about because they do have talent. This is not Arizona. Or uh, San Jose, who doesn't have enough talent. These guys have enough talent, in my opinion, where I thought they'd make postseason. And, and they still might. We've seen teams come from the end and find themselves in postseason. But with that said, they've got to make some changes. I know their coach was a little bit under the hot on the hot seat at the start of the year. We know one thing about hockey, man. They will cut a guy loose like that if they need to. The question is, where do they get someone from? At this point, they can turn it around. And he can't keep going getting these recycled coaches thinking they're the quick fix. So I just say stay
0: tuned. You and Alex Ferrario will do the Ferrario face-off later on this week, <coughs> talking Blues hockey during their West Coast road trip. Uh, we already mentioned you and Howard Richards and the Keith Costas podcast also coming up on clabsonline.com this week. What else do you have that you're working Ever on? Everett you, the voice of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, we're going
1: to visit with him. We'll have him up this week as well. He's the first African-American. By the way, and I was giving him grief about this. <clears throat> they have an African-American play-by-play guy, African-American color analyst on TV. The beat writer for the Kraken is African-American. And Kevin Weeks was out there last weekend. And as I was telling Fit to you, I said, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a black guy in the hockey rink this past weekend, <laughs> which is unheard of and I'm happy for. So we had a great visit with Everett. And I would suggest you hear his story, but more importantly, he's going to talk about that building that they're playing in and all the things that Seattle has done in order to create great interest in even how you get there to the rink. So uh, I would suggest people take a listen to that. Uh, He's another Bowling Green guy like Chris Kerber and uh, uh, Mike Emmerich. So, I mean, it's a a fun visit, I was happy to be able to visit with him.
0: I know I will. Uh, I'm planning on having. Uh, I don't know who I, I got a text during the show uh, to set something up. AEW All Elite Wrestling will uh, will be in town this Friday at Shafitz Klades. So we'll have uh, we'll have one of their superstars on the website earlier this week. AEW uh, I'm not familiar with that outlet. Yeah, All Elite Wrestling. It's on TNT uh, Wednesday nights, and it I've is seen. owned. It's owned by Tony Khan. The son of Khan, So they are based out of uh, out of Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. So okay. they have, uh, you know what? They have been putting quite a dent into the, uh, I don't, I want to say maybe the ratings um, of WWE. They have been given, they've given WWE more competition than they've ever had in the past 20 years. And they've only been around for two years right now. So well, good for them. Yeah, if you're anything hey, you, Shot Khan's involved, then in,
1: I'm all on board. I think he's one of the class guys that go that's going out there.
0: If you want to go, I can get us tickets to the uh Friday at Shafitz, Friday night at Shafitz if you're uh if you're up for going and seeing Friday some Friday night uh, date night professional man.
1: wrestling. Oh, it's professional wrestling. Oh,
0: yeah. you didn't say that. You don't gotta dress up in a suit and tie like it's at the chase. You can just uh make okay. that your Friday date night right there at the at the jewel of Midtown. Uh I
1: would be afraid to be put in a headlock myself if I tried that with my significant. <laughs> but you know what? You
0: never know. You never know. So lots coming up uh as uh, as always here each and every week on Clavesonline.com. We thank you for joining us here this Monday afternoon. We will see you later on with all kinds of content all week long. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Joe Roderick. This has been Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. Find him online, homeloanexpert.com. The 2021 Acura TLX is the top-selling luxury sedan in St. Louis, and St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection. The TLX has the highest safety rating, and right now you can get $2,500 in loyalty conquest offers with 0% financing for up to 36 months. We offer free pickup and delivery, and we'll also buy your used vehicle, even if you don't buy from us. St. Louis Acura committed to becoming better than ever for you.